welcome to another edition of the Not The Top 20 podcast. Firstly, thanks to our friends New Carnival for an excellent song which acts as our intro music. We know that you all find it as catchy as we do. That's New Carnival. You can check them out online in the usual spots. George is opposite me. I'm Ali Maxwell. George Ellick. An exciting setup we're, we, we've got today. Yeah, we are in, in a new... I mean, it seems to happen quite a lot at the moment. We're in a, we're in a studio... Uh, Core London TV, a very kind of led us, kindly let us use their studio today. So uh, any increased sound quality, you're noticing that could be the reason why. Always, always looking for ways to improve the podcast and always looking for your own feedback. Get in touch with us at NTT20pod on Twitter. Our email address is there if you prefer the more formal form of communication. We won't be giving out our address at this stage but we will crack on because we've got a busy show to talk about. It's been a few weeks. We must apologise, actually, for a, an absence, if you will, of Not The Top 20 pod in your lives. We have been incredibly busy in our own personal lives, moving flats, uh, lots of different work events. George is having a net session with Darren Goff and, uh, you know, everything's <laughs> been going on that you could possibly think of. But we're back here and we're very happy to be to be here talking to you about the EFL. Today we're going to touch on the relegation battles in all three leagues. But here we are in the Championship League One and League Two, around 18, 19 matches played and really entering a period in the season, George, in December, where there are so many games, um, they come thick and fast, injuries take their toll, momentum is a thing, we think. How important is the next month, you know, including Christmas and the New Year fixtures in terms of, of, of working out where we're going to be. Because by January, we're still only halfway through in terms of fixtures. But, you know, it's a really important period of time. I think that's right. I think that because um, we've seen a decent amount of the season go past and we're about to have so many games in quick succession, quite often people think that, that the leagues are won, seasons are over, things are, are already set, when actually a lot can change in this month. Um, and I think that's why this next kind of three or four weeks is, is absolutely crucial. Um, I think the championship you're seeing it now with people saying Wolves have basically won the league. I kind of subscribe to that. But then a couple of defeats here and there, suddenly that changes very, very quickly. A quick look at the Premier League and you can you could see how where Manchester City uh, were losing against Huddersfield, a team who'd basically been given the title. Suddenly that table looked a little bit tighter and it could be the same um, for the, you know, the Wolves is and the Wiggins of the world. So Obviously, Man City did get the win and that Premier League title looks relatively sewn up. You touched on Wolves there. Wigan in League One, we've been hot on all season. They've hit the top and we'd probably expect them to stay there. And in League Two, you have a team in Luton Town who have scored seven plus goals in three games so far this season and who look incredibly strong for that league. Are all four divisions sewn up at this point? I wouldn't be a layer of any of those teams. So, I mean, I, I, I've, they're all... Pretty heavily odds on, but I, I think that's fair enough. I think they're, they're, they seem to be the class three teams in the league. They seem to be that far ahead of everyone else in terms of the shot data, in terms of results and in points now. Um, so I would, I would struggle to, to have an issue with that. Um, but as I said, seasons last uh, a long time. It wouldn't be a shock in any way if one of them did fall short. But although it may come to a shock, a shock to their fans right now, to be honest. But yeah, I, I think that... It's a time for caution. It's a time where we can get carried away with what's happened and results can change very, very quickly, especially, I think, in the lower down. Uh, we've seen with Luton, you've said they've scored seven plus goals three times, but they've dropped points when they shouldn't have done so, so often. And if, and if that's what they revert back to, they're gonna be, it's going to be difficult. They are the class team in the league um, and they do have the players to go forward and do it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, 
I, I think that they probably are done, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if there are shocks on the way. Are, are Wolves the best at this stage? But we've got to make predictions. It's how we it's how we earn our corn, I suppose. Are Wolves the most entertaining team the Championship has seen? <sighs> Entertainingly successful, yeah. I, I'd probably say so. Um, Reading's points total record is 106. Uh, Wolves, on their current points per game average, uh, are on course for 106.5. So, um, <laughs> Can't get know, a half point. And that Reading team was exceptional in its own way. This Wolves team, to me, has a certain something special about it. And, it, and it's no... It's no secret what that is. It's it's the star quality, but also the way that Nuno Espirito Santo has put together an exceptional all-round team. Everyone's comfortable on the ball, and that includes players like Connor Cody, Ryan Bennett, Matt Doherty, all players left over from, from previous regimes under Paul Lambert and turned them into to a team. I mean, they're eerily reminiscent for me of, of Chelsea last season. I'm sure I've said it on the podcast before. They play a, an incredibly similar system, for starters, with the wing-backs hugging the touchline, um, with the, the, the exceptional attacking players such as Hotter and Cavalero, just having absolute freedom to roam those half spaces, very little uh, defensive uh, need for them to, to, to get back. And in the middle, in Neves, just a beautiful pass through the ball. And... No team really as yet has, has had any idea how to combat it. I mean, you, you touched on Nuno there. Um, I was told by a friend of mine um, that in European, in the Europe's top five leagues in the last, I think it's five seasons, um, the manager who's outperformed their, their prices, basically. So the manager, if you bat that manager every week, he'd be the most in profit. And this is in, not including Wolves, is Nuno. Wow. So that basically says that he was doing, as far as bookies are concerned, he is doing the best of anyone. Um, and I think that a lot gets said because of Wolves' financial situation um, and because the expectations were high at the, beginning, at the beginning of the season, it's difficult to, well, it's easy to, to forget how good a job Nuno is doing. I mean, he's de- taken a team, I think, that finished 17th last season, um, finished 17th with Cavaliero, finished 17th with Costa and, and has managed to turn them into, and, and the, you know, the, the English players that you mentioned as well mm. who've been there for a while, and he's managed to turn that team from you know, having Neves and Hotter and people help, but... The, the transformation is still absolutely massive. Um, the amount of points they are picking up now compared to last season is, is a huge, huge shift. And I, uh, and I think that he deserves massive credit. Coming into this uh, sort of heavy fixture, fixture heavy even period, I was looking at their bench the other day and it's not really fair to have Helder Costa sitting there waiting in the wings, waiting for his chance. I mean, Cavalero and Hotter's performance levels are so high that he's not had many chances to start so far, but he's there waiting. Enna Bakare, who filled in brilliantly at the start of the season, is there ready and waiting. Uh, Jack Price, a, a classy ball-playing midfield player, and DA to step in for Sace if he gets injured. And at the back, Danny Bart and Roderick Miranda are there. Uh, Ruben Vinegra to back up Barry Douglas. It's just the strength and depth is absurd. But we'll, we'll move on from Wolves. As as we said, it does seem like that that is tied up now. So we've got... I suppose, a race for second, which is absolutely anything but, George. And and it's interesting to look at the contenders as it stands. Cardiff City in second, three points ahead of Sheffield United. They themselves two points above Aston Villa, who are one point above Bristol City, who are two points above Derby County. And then below the playoffs, Middlesbrough, Leeds, Nottingham Forest, Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday, Fulham and Preston. And I've left out Norwich, who who are an interesting topic at the moment, and I know that the fans are very 
very disillusioned at the moment. Seven losses out of 19, only six wins and six draws as well, and that there are issues there. But this battle for second, are there any teams that, that you'd be putting your money on at this stage out of that bunch below Wolves? Because Cardiff have, have pretty much matched everything that's been thrown at them within reason. Sheffield United, much talked about, really impressive, but have had a, a difficult week or so. And then there's Villa, 8-12, and various other teams. Who, who do you like for that? for that ultimate second promotion spot? I mean, who, who I like for it and who I think will get it are probably different um, answers. I think that Cardiff and Villa are probably the two most likely incumbents of it. Um, I'm not a massive fan, as we've discussed in the past, of Steve Bruce, um, but mm. he's certainly you know, um, got them playing a style of football that's going to collect points from here on in. And the, the misfits, uh, who, who maybe weren't firing earlier on in the season, um, the likes of Hurain, are now obviously very important players for them. And that, and that is absolutely crucial. How long can they rely on Albert Adoma to score well, a double I mean, every but game? That's, that, that's an issue as well. But then uh, I, I think that their defence is now um, obviously sorted out to the extent that they're not going to concede many goals. And when Steve Bruce teams don't concede many goals, that's, that seems to be when they, when they have success. Um, so I think that finally it's taken them about a year, but he but he's done it now, and, and I'd be shocked if they weren't in the top, um, you know, four or so. Mm. Um, Cardiff, the other one who who I don't think it's any fluke now. I think we can see that Warnock's in a similar style, but mm. I'd say kind of more laudably because it's just completely uh, unapologetic. Results like yesterday were perfect, it's awesome. weren't they? Yeah, just yeah. absolutely perfect. A Nottingham Forest team vibrant on a bit of a high a Cardiff City team going there and just saying no, no and sorry and, no. And, and, and the same to um, in, in their 2-0 home win against Brentford a couple of weeks ago where I think they had 28% possession um, and you know won 2-0 very comfortably mm. and, and deserved the win in hindsight really impressive because Warnock's team are always very good don't always have star quality and strength in depth and actually the man that they needed to be able to replace should he have got injured was Kenneth Sahor. And in first Bogle and now Danny Ward, he actually did preempt that situation and gave himself that strength in depth. So I think huge credit to, to Warnock and his recruitment team, to the owner for, for giving him a bit of backing there because, you know, Ward and Bogle both cost a little bit of money and, and they really need, you get the feeling if, if they weren't there and Zahor was had been injured for this amount of time, they, they could have really tailed away. But, they, you know, they've lost three games out of 19. That's the same as Wolves. So exceptional effort for Cardiff so far. Down at the bottom, because we, we really wanted to make this a bit of a relegation special, but there's so much to talk about that, you, you know us guys, we do sort of ramble around. But <laughs> there was a huge result at the bottom uh, on Saturday, and that was Burton's 2-0 loss to Sunderland, Chris Coleman, obviously Sunderland manager now since we last spoke. And uh, the scenario was, had Burton won that home game, and surely they, they needed to, they would have been six points ahead of Sunderland. Uh, as it is, they're now level on points, Sunderland coming away with that 2-0 win. It was an incredibly low-quality affair, I must say. Both teams sort of like drunk heavyweights or middleweights, I suppose, because they're, 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 they're not that good in attack. But they were just sort of swinging, taking it in turns to attack, and, and Sunderland did end up getting the win. They are the bottom three, along with Bolton at the moment. 14 points for Sunderland and Burton, 13 points for Bolton. Above them, Birmingham on 16, Hull on 18, Millwall 19, Reading and Barnsley 20 and QPR 21. So how do you approach that at this stage, George? Three slots to go down to League One and, you know, as ever, a, a quite an ugly dogfight taking, taking shape. But in new managers at Sunderland and Birmingham and, and, and an improving Bolton, you know, how do you, how do you sort of, uh, how do you judge that one at the moment? 
I think that the next couple of weeks for Sunderland are absolutely huge. Um, I don't know if it was tactical, if it was deliberate, but giving their new manager, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't, but giving their new manager uh, Burton away as his first game was an absolute masterstroke um, because that is... I think he did take charge against Villa. Oh, he uh, did? On he Tuesday. was in charge of Villa. It, yeah, you're and, right. and I didn't see that one, but someone I know who did said they, they, they weren't horrendous. But, I mean... Either way, having that game as, as your, one of your first is absolutely huge um, because I do think that Burton, even in 23rd, are in a false position Ooh. where they should be 24. Um, <laughs> and he now needs to ride that wave. I mean, you saw the scenes after their goals. Um, it felt like it was a win that they that they will try and basically bounce off and try and get momentum through. The fans and players are like going absolutely ballistic uh, with joy um, with the, for the second goal um, together. So I think that Sunderland now, the next game is um, is Reading at home. Um, on the, on Saturday, which I think is going to be a huge, huge game because that is definitely winnable as well. And if they can get six points um, from two games, six points from the first from Coleman's first three, then that really sets them up uh, to to have a good season. Which is, you know, we we haven't had many times, especially given their their terrible run of of home wins. Of sorry, of home uh, being unable to win at home. If they can go and change that with with Coleman's uh, with Coleman's start, then then that'd be huge. So, I think it's a big one for them. I think the. Bolton, uh, well, as I said, I think Burton are, are, are cooked, basically. Burton's issue is is obvious. Last season, they were able to stay up against the odds, have, having conceded just 63 goals, I think, in their 46. I say just because it wasn't nearly the worst record in the division, not even in the top five. But this season already, 37 goals conceded in their 19 games. That's basically two a game. And, and they've never been a good team going forward. Just 12 goals they've scored. Clough obviously came out and said, we shouldn't win any game. We should lose every game. How can you expect us to even get any <laughs> points, given that a team like Sunderland's budget is 10 times the size of theirs, a stadium 10 times the size of theirs? And I thought it was interesting because it's not the first time he said something like that. Uh, it's it's um, it's a specific way of, of trying to take pressure off your players, I suppose, and that's the, the, the route that he's gone down. But there's a tone that he said it in that, it did seem uh, slightly alarmingly defeatist at you know where we are not even halfway through the season but it's it's hard not to sympathize with it although there were real shades of his of his father in the way that he delivered it that that's the big question about burton isn't it i mean where do you set someone who's who's obviously such a minnow in this league um who's overachieved for so long does that mean that when when they're relegation when they're facing relegation, is there no room for criticism? Because at the same time, you have to set an attainable target. Um, and that target, at minimum, must be to stay up. And I'm not here saying that Clough should lose his job or anything like that, because as he as he says, you know, that in terms of wage budget, in terms of squad value, in terms of revenue, uh, they should be getting relegated every season. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't make you immune to criticism. It doesn't mean that when you do get defeated 2-0 at home, and let's, you know, let's be honest, they, they've had a few pretty shoddy uh, defeats this season, despite um, having some picking up some points against the odds, they've had a few games where they haven't even had a shot. Um, so I think he's got to be a bit careful. Um, maybe he's aware that tempering um, ambitions now could lead to him keeping his job uh, and being at the helm for their attempt to, to return to the championship. But both Bolton have no interest in being an obvious relegation that you know, a sort of lock in, uh, and their performances over the last few weeks well, six or seven weeks now, have shown that. But they've still got a fair bit more to do when you consider that we probably expect an improvement from Sunderland. We're seeing a, maybe an improvement from Birmingham. And then there's Hull, who 
it's hard to know really what to think about because Leonid Slutsky is practically in tears in every post-match interview. 2-0 up against Bristol City this weekend at home. And as soon as Bristol City scored the, their goal to make it 2-1, yeah. I think it was just abundantly clear. And any fan that's been a part of a team that where that's the case, where as soon as as soon as the opposition pull one back, you know what's coming. Something has to change. I mean, the difficulty is whether it's anything really to do with, with, with Slutsky. They would have to get someone transformative in a character like Coleman, you would have thought, because who else is going to take a, a, a job like that and be able to, you know, they were able, perhaps luckily, to get Marco Silva. Maybe it was a stroke of genius. Maybe it was lucky to come in last season in the Premier League and, and, and the bloke almost saved them when they were doomed. But for him, it was just about getting a foothold in the Premier League and showing what he could do. You're not sure that there are that many young managers in the EFL that would say, get me to Hull in a, in a championship relegation battle with that, with all the issues that are happening off the pitch at this stage. I think that's exactly right. And I think that Slutsky, um, despite being linked to, to being the new uh, director of football at Chelsea after Emanala left, um, you assume if he doesn't get that, which he, which he um, despite his friendship with Abramovich, probably won't, um, you'd think he'll, he'll want to stick around, I think. For his uh, managerial reputation, I, he doesn't want a championship relegation on it because then he's going to struggle to attract the kind of top jobs in some of you know, Europe's smaller footballing nations but even so still clubs you know Champions League um, qualification ambitions and the like so I think he'll fancy it I think that he'll believe in it um, l- losing 3-2 from, from being 2-0 up at home is, is absolutely miserable and they're quite nice going forward they, they, they play some half decent stuff and in Bowen they've got a, a, an exceptional championship player by, by, by the way it looks at the moment but some of the defending is, is, is absolutely abysmal I must say Michael Hector Andre Mazuch were the centre-backs uh, on the weekend. Two more Chelsea loanies, Tomori and Aina at full-backs. And there's so many different factors to it, but basically the, the cocktail that is concocted is one of chipping goals for absolute fun. And, and, I'm, and I'm really, really, really quite worried for them at, at this stage. So Hull's next few fixtures are Sheffield Wednesday away, uh, Brentford at home, um, and then Cardiff away, Leads away, I mean that's 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 not that's not easy. Not ideal um, at all. So if, if we're looking at teams, if we do think suddenly they're going to improve, if we think that Bolton has still got enough about them, if we think that a Boga-inspired Birmingham <laughs> are going to start moving up the table as well, then it looks to me uh, like Hull are going to be the ones who get sucked into it. QPR, Barnsley, Reading, and Millwall. Uh, any of those you think starting to look slightly nervously over their shoulder? Well, M- Millwall. But- the dries have got uh, the goals have dried up completely, mm. which is which is a worry. Um, I, I thought they were going to be absolutely fine, um, and I think they started very very well. It's going to be interesting to see how they how they go on for the next couple of weeks. Um, I think Barnsley should be absolutely fine, but you always have to worry about them a little bit just because of their commitment to the to the way they play. And and we saw the second half of last season, their, their form fall away a bit, and you wonder if if they're you know the the age of the squad and and things like that they may they may fade a wee bit. Um, Reading another one as well. Who whilst we've said that we're, we're confident that they will be okay, um, a few more bad results and they get sucked into it. They may think about replacing the manager, which I don't think would necessarily be a very good idea. Mm. So I think that this is going to be a huge month month for those teams. A couple of wins under their belt, they can look up towards the the top half of the table. If it goes the other way, then they're gonna there's gonna be undoubtedly in a, in a relegation fight. But the one thing is because it's 
I do think that the championship, the bottom six or seven are really poor. Um, yeah. And I think that the bottom three at the moment, especially, are very, very poor. And it could be a case where those teams, if they can just get enough points to the board early on, that they could be too far away for, for the Burtons and the Boltons and the Sunderlands of the world to catch them. Still, clearly, uh, an awful lot to, to clear up in the championship. So even with Wolves so good uh, and seemingly on their way to, to blitz the league, there's still plenty for us to get our t- teeth into week on week, um, you know, with the battle for second playoff battle and certainly down at the bottom. So moving on to League One now, I'm really, really pleasantly surprised with League One this season. I was not a huge fan of the division last year in terms of narrative, in terms of quality, in terms of uh, of anything particularly, although the Sheffield United bandwagon when it started rolling was entertaining to follow uh, but this season I, I really feel like the current top six which is Wigan, Shrewsbury, Scunthorpe, Bradford, Blackburn and Charlton are, are, are all in their own way strong league one teams teams that we should be uh, enjoying teams that we should be um, yeah admiring for, for the way that they've started the season obviously Shrewsbury having started in such scintillating fashion, have picked up a couple of disappointing results recently. It was always going to happen. Remains to be seen how far they will fall. Do you think they might drop out of it altogether? Do you think they might stick around in that sort of fourth, fifth, sixth area? Because it strikes me that Wigan, Bradford, Blackburn, Scunthorpe, and possibly Charlton, although I'm not as sold on them, could be, you know, real... Real tough nuts to crack. It's, it's, it's so hard to know, mm. just because the nature of their squad, again, it's, it's made up of very young players, um, which could go either way. It could mean that their heads drop because... A couple it, of injuries has really derailed them, and that's not a, not a great sign. But, but I, I do think that Hurst has got enough about him to, to keep them on track. I think that it's easy to get carried away from a couple of defeats, which have, have come off the back of such an amazing run. Um, so I, I don't think, you know, you're asking me if they're going to fall beneath those teams. I think that they've got a still you know try and stay where they are basically if, if they set their sights now on a top six finish then that could be where they go wrong whereas if they keep trying to maintain their form I mean they're two points behind the leaders they're, they're two points ahead of Scunthorpe and Bradford with a game in hand so it doesn't take much to for them to kind of stick there basically they're on 40 points it, it, it would only take about 25-30 more points to put them in that mix anyway so I wouldn't be too disheartened if I was them it was it was never ever going to happen they were never going to keep their run going mm. quite as they as they were but I do think that there's enough about them. 19 games is, is possibly a big enough sample size to, uh, to think we, that they're going to keep keep you know keep winning games. Which of the other teams up there have you been most enjoying? And are there any other teams below the top six at the moment? Portsmouth, Peterborough, Oxford, Blackpool, Fleetwood, Rotherham that that you could see, well that that you would predict might break into it. Not really. There's a five uh, five point cushion now between Charlton and, and Pompey, and I think that that's fair. I think that top six looks to me to be like the best six teams in the league um, interesting to see how Scunthorpe get on because they're a team that, that we've liked for a while now and, six and wins really, in a row yeah they've really turned it on um, and I think that squad is full of quality and we saw I mean they were the Shrewsbury of last season where they started like an absolute train uh, and fell away but it feels like this could be more sustainable um, and the experience they would have after that which should, should keep them going um, I saw Blackburn the other day because I went to their they beat Oxford 4-2 uh, last Tuesday and mm-hmm. They were pretty good. I mean, some of three of, or well, I'd say basically all of their goals were, were caused by atrocious defending by Oxford, uh, sadly. But having said that, they were still completely dominant for the first 20, mm. 25, 30 minutes. 
And it was one of those games where even though it felt like Oxford were, were kind of on top for the second half, you have to wonder how much of that was just down to the fact that they were very happy to sit on their lead and, and let Jack Payne run around a lot. Um, because if he's not going near the goal, then 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 where's that going to get you? So they look like a very... Um, and Braddy Dack was brilliant. And he, similar to what Fergie said about Charlie Adam all those years ago. I mean, his set piece delivery is so good yeah. that it just every time they got a corner or a free kick, it was just it felt like absolute panic stations at the back for Oxford. Mm. Um, and having a player with, with that ability to do that is huge. So I, I think the Blackburn could easily be the be the ones. Blackburn and Scunthorpe, I'd say for me, would be the ones who can challenge uh, Wigan. And Bradford is showing really impressive away form recently, although their formerly sensational home form has has dropped off a little bit. Uh, Bradley Dack is a nice segue because. One of my favourite stories from the week sort of relates to him, so I can use him to move into Gillingham's big news uh, of the end, the back end of last week. And I suppose a, an apology from me, because I've definitely referenced when discussing Gillingham, who have been very poor for over a year now, I've definitely referenced difficulties off the pitch, including, but not limited to, the chairman, Paul Scally, pursuing a, a court case with a former um, with a former catering supplier um, in, in some sort of dispute, which had cost the club quite a lot of money in legal fees, which had led to, for example, the sale of Bradley Dack in order to, to raise fees for the legal battle. Well, I must take it all back because uh, Gillingham won the court case with Centre Plate UK and won a massive payout approaching £1.4 million um, and also centre plate have to pay all of the legal fees as well for both sides. So uh, congratulations to Paul Scally and <laughs> congratulations to Gillingham because in what has been on the pitch and seemingly off it, quite a dark time for the club, actually you have to look back and say that was worth it, well done for, for standing up for themselves and hopefully now, you know, that those sort of figures that I've quoted there and, and sure, we're not sure how much of that ends up going on to the product on the pitch, because I'm sure they've got some stuff to sort out behind the scenes. But, you know, that is a huge relief for, for Gillingham because, you know, the, the good times might start to roll or at least uh, start to turn things around. And on the pitch, the last few weeks, they've been a bit better as well under under Steve Lovell, formerly caretaker, now their, their full-time manager. So I thought we should, we should, um, we should give them a little shout-out there. I, I, I would also um, recommend the club statement that they released about this because... In their absolute glee at um, at their court case win, uh, they managed to fit in some terrible puns, such as Gillingham Football Club wins its highest scoring game yet, and <laughs> the opponents will be kicking themselves, and uh, various other things, such as that's what you call an own goal. Um, so we really enjoyed that, <laughs> and, and well done to Jill's. Uh, League One's relegation scrap is always the ugliest of them all because there are four spots. I don't know. I was just looking at this uh, earlier today and I reckon of the four teams currently down there, Gillingham, Northampton, Bury, and Plymouth, I think only one will go down. Ooh. I think Cobblers will go down. Okay. Um, I think that the managerial changes, um, well, the managerial change at Gillingham is, is obviously improved them straight away and they don't look like relegation fodder for the last few weeks. I think Barry's an interesting one where it, all it takes is a bloke with half a brain and a, an ounce of coaching ability and that team should just shoot... That, I mean, that squad should shoot up the league. Sure. Um, so, and I think... I, I don't know much about Lachetti at all. Um, or, I mean, I, as a player, I know bits, but I don't yeah. know much about him as a coach. But yeah. you'd hope that they've been smart enough to give it to someone who, who will fit the squad and will 
know, understand how to get the best out of them. And I don't think it's asking too much of Lucchetti to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And Plymouth, as I've said to you many, many times, I think that with Diagaraga and with Carey, they're just not a relegation team. And, they, and I think the results have shown that mm. the 4-0 loss against Oxford was can be discarded because they were down to 10 after 10, after 10 minutes. Um, the one 0 defeat to Pompey is by no means a bad result. A lot of team, better teams than them, will, will lose at Fratton Park Terrible this season. Terrible error from uh, from the goalkeeper there. So otherwise, could could have been could have gone either way. And otherwise, good results. I think that they will be absolutely fine. I've got no question about that. So for Wimbledon, Rochdale, Bristol Rovers, Bristol Oldham, Rovers, Doncaster, are... Milton Keynes, Dons, Southend, and Walsall. There's 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 three, three spots. spots. I mean, I, three I, trap doors. I think that I think you can go further up. I think you, <laughs> you physically can't go any further up because then you're getting to the teams that I mentioned I know. as potential well, I mean, playoff. You, you mentioned Oxford. Oxford are seven points off the playoffs and seven points off relegation. Mm. So, and it's I mean it's much easier to drop than it is to rise. You're a bit worried about that, aren't you? A little bit, but not. I mean, just because our back four is just has no pace, and that that concerns me because I think that people who look at it will understand that you can get around the back of us pretty easily. Um, but having said that, you know we, we've got good enough players that I think it'll be fine it's just I'd like it just to go away a little bit um, sure. but I think that um, that so Oxford, Blackpool, Blackpool Fleetwoods um, I mean the ones I'm looking at mainly are probably Brist- Bristol Rovers who I mean I know I talk about not having knee jerk reactions but you can't ignore what's going on there I mean mm. they are really struggling and mm. they're dropping like a stone and I think it's the first time that Daryl Clark um, is going to have to kind of rally them since they got relegated from the Football League mm. Um, which he obviously did with a plum. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how he does that. Um, I think that AFC Wimbledon are still in trouble as well. Um, I mean, they're just one point outside the playoffs, and I think that uh, they can easily get um, overtaken in the next couple of weeks. Uh, our friends at Nine Years Pod sent in a, a question earlier when I put out the, the, the question klaxon, which was wondering if there are any target men that could be available in January, either on loan or for very little money asking for a friend and that's been a big issue for them isn't it because when you think of the the last two the previous two seasons with uh, Akin Fenwer and Elliot and then last season Elliot doing so well in league 1 it doesn't appear like they've they've really been able to either fill that role or change system well enough or effectively enough to be able to create in other ways and and Lyle Taylor is nothing if not an incredibly hard working striker with some quality but is finding it really, really tough, and there, there doesn't appear to be much quality around him. And I would also be very worried about it as well. There's a good, there's a good target man sitting on the bench at Oxford every week, and John Abika. But yeah, I hope we wouldn't let him go. But I mean, he's someone who, who you know, if he's not getting game time by January, he could be looking mm. elsewhere because he's. I mean, I wish he played more often. But um, yeah, so I, I think it could be all changed down there. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. Um, MK Dons, I know a team you're you're concerned about as well. I mean, I, I do feel like. Surely, if push came to shove, they have enough quality to get out of it. Yeah, uh, this is basically off the back of your friend of mine, Ben Mayhew's latest scatter graphics, which take a look at the numbers, really, uh, the underlying performance data, and has a look at which teams uh, are, are creating well or not, who are leaking or not, whose expected goal count is good or not. And he's, he's, he's basically, his graphs have MK Don's at the bottom or at the worst end of, of almost all of them. And I think that, you know, as people who believe that ultimately if you continuously give up more chances, uh, better better quality of chances to the opposition than the chances that you're creating yourselves, then over the course of a season or longer, 
results will be poor, and that is the case with MK Dons. Uh, he's always... We've always wanted him to succeed, I think, Robbie Nielsen. I, I'm not really sure why, but I've always just quite wanted him to do well there. Uh, and he, I don't think you could really say that he is doing well. No. I don't think you could say that he's doing terribly, but, you know, this isn't a... When I look at Wimbledon, I see a squad that is, you know, not full of quality. But when you look at MK Dons' squad... You know, and I don't mean to compare those two clubs specifically, <laughs> but it is a, a, a squad with some quality in it. And if you're not getting the best out of it, and if you if you've put together a defence that is quite so poor, then I, I think that's an issue. So I'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. But uh, you know, they're a club who have shown a lot of loyalty to managers in the past in their very short history. Uh, be interesting to see should they have a couple of bad results, whether he might be the, the next to go, Robbie Nielsen. Uh, and there are a number of intriguing teams around there, like Shrew- Oldham. Shrewsbury and Scunthorpe next for them as well. Mm. So it's tough. That's very, very tough, isn't it? Uh, Rochdale, uh, an interesting one. We've been asked by our, uh, our Daily Dale, our, our Rochdale follow, f- fan follower. He, he wants to know what we think of them. And I don't really know. I mean, <laughs> I, I quite liked them last year. Uh, and they did a similar thing last year where they started very poorly and got a lot better. Uh, they started very poorly again this year, and they've got a bit better. But, um, you know, as you've touched on there, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of those teams down at the bottom that are looking upwards, and actually, you know, four teams do have to go down. So you're always a bit worried with a side like Rochdale, who don't tend to be the deepest in terms of squad, where, where a couple of injuries could really hit them hard. But in... Calvin Andrew, Matt Doan, uh, Callum Camps and Hen- Henderson, they've got quality. Bunny as well at left wing back. So, you know, <laughs> it's one of those ones where I, I can talk myself into saying that any team down at the bottom of League One will be fine. But unfortunately, that's that's just simply, and not, also, and simply it, not the case. What an unbelievable turnaround for John Whitney at, at Walsall in the last you know week mm. or so. I mean, they were, they were staring down the barrel on Tuesday night and then they picked up the win there and then they win again on Saturday and suddenly they're... You know, they're back in mid-table, so... Yeah, and, you know, underlying performance data has them pretty much middling in everything. Yeah. Um, it, it's really interesting because they're still... I don't think the fans will ever truly get no, behind right. And that, I think that's a huge issue for them. I think that the fact that, the, the fact that you know, the shot data has them quite good, the fact that they're sitting comfortably mid-table, and yet I think quite a few of their supporters would, you know, wouldn't... wouldn't begrudge a couple of defeats to see the back of him and that that's that's it's a tough place to be well that's the kind of mindset mm. where you know this is going into mike holden territory where you're trying to look, kind of tap into mindsets of managers but this is one of those where almost if he is a dead man walking because of his relationship with the uh with the fans and then it could be one of one where it's not healthy there and 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 the wheels could fall mm. off quite quickly if they do fall off so um Walsall are another one that I'd be looking at still, um, even though they are, you know, on twenty-five points, uh, five points clear of of Gillingham. I'd no one's them. safe. No one's well. I'm not sure Blackpool are safe either. To be honest, we haven't touched on them either. No, uh, but I, I won't go into the details here. But promises to be a crack at that. Though. I mean, definitely. That, that's what I said. I just think possibly of all the divisions, League One this year, you know, if you take out any questions of of quality of football, is just as a as a football division, as we've you know we've just touched on it for about twenty minutes. There's there's so much to to take on twenty games in, and we're not that close to knowing anything other than that Wigan are good, very good. There's a lot of other good teams, and some of the bad teams are maybe not that bad. So um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's excellent stuff down in League Two. I think I think it's similar. I've, I think from twelfth twelfth down, you can basically make a case for anyone to to get sucked into it really, and they and they're even further ahead. 
Um, you absolutely can. Yeah. You absolutely can. <laughs> it, it's um, it's from. I feel like we'll see in League Two, possibly four teams break clear eventually. Maybe not in the next few weeks, but when we get to March, I think we'll see Luton and Notts County, one of Exeter and Accrington. Ooh. and Mansfield. Oh, I thought you were going to have Coven there. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm not going to have Coven there because Jody Jones has torn his ACL and he's out for the whole season. <laughs> and Fair enough. Well, to fair play to them. <laughs> I said on Saturday, I failed to see how they will score a goal. Like I, like when I picture a Coventry goal and Jody Jones isn't playing, I don't really know how that even comes about. Yeah. Uh, they did score a goal on the weekend at home to Crawley and it was a nice finish from McNulty who we bigged up pre-season and hasn't really stepped up to the plate. But him and Duckens Nazan are going to need to now because, um, I mean, he was involved in, in pretty much everything. In fact, almost everything good about Coventry's attacking player, Jody Jones. He might not have been there post-January anyway, um, so they'll, they'll at least keep him as, a, as an asset. But a real, real, real blow for him, for them. And that's why I don't have them as one of the four that I think will break away. Um, down at the bottom... Barnet and Chesterfield, the bottom two. They both got new managers. Obviously, Jack Lester's had a, a, a tough start, but possibly things are looking up. Mark McGee got an, a, an exceptional win in midweek and then a home loss to Grimsby, which brought them back down to earth somewhat. And they do look poor, Barnet, I must say. Um, what a strange result for Port Vale as well. You've got Vale with Aspen in charge, who had that new manager bounce. And possibly then... now finding that... Tom Pope maybe won't score every single game. <laughs> um, and, you know, a big loss away at Lincoln, which is, there's no shame in that. Really. No, but I was surprised. I, I didn't think, I thought that they'd turn the corner, um, the real corner. I didn't think it was manager bounce. Mm. Um, again, they're not to start at the cup and, you know, completely dominated the game against us. We barely had it. I don't think we had a shot on target. Mm. Um, so I, I know it, it had kind of, it had gone on for a few games. So I thought it was just him turning it around. So... Um, three nil down they were as well I think against Lincoln. Um, so I was surprised to see that. I think Yeovil, the team that I'm looking at, who I who I still expect to probably go down. Um, I still don't really what the quality. Uh, I I think kind of in a similar way to Burton, they've picked up unlikely points in games where maybe didn't didn't deserve to. Um, and I think that they're they're the team that I look at when I'm looking down there who I expect to 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 fall into. Well, I think it's Morecambe for me. So <laughs> that's our two. You know, 27th of November. Our League Two relegation prediction, Morecambe and Yeovil, if we both get to pick one, um, which is obviously great news for, for Barnet and Chesterfield fans. But um, there's always bad teams that avoid relegation, not because they're not bad, but because, you know, there's only two spots c compared to, to League One's four. So that's always quite an interesting part of it. I, I worry about Morecambe. We all know that, that things off the pitch are inideal and that they're they're basically sort of trying to recover from from what was such a horrendous year in that regard last year and that recovery won't be immediate. And on the pitch, you know, they're, they're doing as well as they can, essentially, I think, and that's what they've been doing for years and years and years. You wonder if, like what you said about Burton earlier, they can continue to do that and, and if they do start to fall away, whether, you know... <sighs> how much you can criticise the manager, the players, the, anyone really. It, it's really tough. Obviously, they continue to get these impressive results like they did on the weekend away at Carlisle. I mean, I think both teams were affected by flooding during the week, and that's the sort of thing that, that doesn't really help. But at the moment, Barnet and Chesterfield down there with, with four wins from 20 games, which is pretty miserable. I don't think Morecambe fans would begrudge me too much 
saying that they, you know, that I still think they're relegation candidates because I think that they're, it's all a bit doom and gloom there. But but I'm you know I'm, I'm not sure. I know that they've got some some good players as well, and they've they've always got a couple of random or not random, but random preseason perhaps for the for the general fan players who end up being exceptional. Obviously, the, the centre back Edwards last year who ended up at at Plymouth and this season. Uh, whether it's Sam Lavelle or or, or Stephen Old, um, they've definitely got some players who 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 are having good seasons. So, uh, I think an interesting team, a crew, who again, you can't really make a case for them having a very good season at the moment. They're nineteenth. They're, <laughs> they're three points above the relegation zone. Yeah. They're sticking with David Artell, and that isn't going that well at the moment. And I wouldn't be surprised if. He might be the next one that we see go in League Two. Um, again, another manager that I I just want I quite want him to do well based on not knowing him or knowing even that much about him. But you just sort of you always want you want a club legend like that to do well and and to to use the the excellent youth resources and, and turn Crew into an exciting young team. But so far that they're finding that pretty tough. And then there's that sort of middle that bunch of middle teams. But Crawley, I'm unbeaten since October the seventeenth. Really? I'm eating in six. Really? Four draws and a win. Wow. Sorry, four draws and two wins. Yeah. So Harry Kew. I mean, that that's a bit of a surprise, isn't it? I don't yeah. think that's something either of us saw coming. I think the, the win against Exeter stands out as well as being a superb result, especially going 1-0 down. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I mean, the fact that we're so shocked about them um, having that run is says a fair bit itself. Um, it does. We, 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 were, we were very happy to shine a light on Kew when he was struggling at the very start of the season with their third new squad of, of three years, but maybe we've been a bit quiet on, on a, a little yeah. resurgence. Credit where credit's Resurgence. <laughs> credit where credit's cool. I, I, does that work? No. We'll give it to you. Um, no, you know, they, they, I think they play some quite nice stuff as well, Crawley, to be honest. Um, some quite exciting young players. At the top, George, what, you know, what do you think? I, I reckon there might be a chunk of four that breaks clear, but I know that... You definitely always like Wickham more than I do. Uh, maybe you've seen something from Swindon Town. Maybe something from Newport County, uh, Lincoln. Any, anyone else that you might? Not really. No. I, I think the top two uh, looks to me to be the best two. Um, I think that both will be able to strengthen in January as well, which is a huge advantage at that level. Um, they'll be backed by their owners to to go and make sure that they, you know. The two ambitious clubs, unlike the Accrington Sandys of the world, the Exeters who aren't going to be able to go out and, and, and reinforce at the same level that those two will. So um, Luton and Notts County, to me, um, are the two. And then, obviously, Mansfield are the, are the ones who could possibly mm. uh, click into life and do a Steve Evans, but um, but we're yet to really see it yet. Well, they started to do a Steve Evans, and then they played Chesterfield, and yeah. Chesterfield, well, it, it was 2-2 on the weekend, but an excellent result from Chesterfield away at Mansfield. And yeah. One that would have been very, very frustrating for Evans and for uh, for his team. So, I mean, I think, George, that's that's us done, unless there's anything you'd like to add. We had some excellent questions, but I think just by really spending this podcast after a couple of weeks off, just sort of uh, taking stock of the situation at the top and bottom of each divisions, I think we'll leave your excellent questions for another day, lovely listeners. Thank you very much for those. And we hope that you will continue to tune in to Not The Top 20 podcast. Um, Next Monday night are the FSF Awards. We are up for podcast of the year alongside all of the big guns. Voting is closed. I know that many of you were kind enough to cast your vote for us. 
and we cannot wait to fill you in on everything that happens from those awards because we're we're seriously excited about that and we again just thank you for your exceptional support for us and for what we've been doing for the last 18 months we are always just blown away really by by the amount that you guys help us with content ideas with feedback and with shares so please do keep doing that we will keep doing this and hopefully over the next few weeks months you'll you'll continue to see us develop I've been Ali Maxwell, opposite me, George Ellick. Thank you very much to Core London TV who have hosted us today. And we'll be with you again next time with some more specific questions, perhaps about players that we like, next time on NTT20 Pod. <laughs>